who does who did it the whole way through the novel, you can guarantee the reader's going to know too. Welcome back to the latest version of the Red Fern Book Review. I am your host, Amy Mayer, and today I'm joined by author and my friend, Lisa Zimpano, to talk about her historical mystery series and also a little bit about the self-publishing world and a favorite book that she's reading right now. But before we get started... I wanted to tell you a little bit about Lisa and how we first met. I've known Lisa for 16 years. Our kids uh, were in a parent participation preschool program together when they were two years old. And I can't remember how it started, but one day she either pulled me aside or I pulled her aside and we decided... The, the, the preschool was fantastic. The teacher was great. The parents and the kids were great. But it was a lot of work. And it was a lot of cutting up vegetables, eating, you know, talking about eating wholesome food, helping our kids share. And it was one of the few breaks that I had from my child. And we talked about there, we knew there was a preschool up the street where we could kind of um, leave our kids for a couple hours and then come back. And so we kind of organized a little bit of a coup and grabbed a bunch of kids and parents and moved up the street. And it kind of reminds me a little bit of the protagonist of Lisa's novels. It's a an intrepid reporter. Her name is Lily Mead, and she is very headstrong. She's a lot of fun. And um, she takes us along on a really fun journey that I think you're going to enjoy. She, this, this novel is set in the 1920s in England. And what I think is really great about it, it's, it's a period piece with a lot of, there's a lot of glamour, there's beautiful dresses and stately homes. There's also a lot of intrigue. There's butlers and there's people lurking in the shadows and you're not sure who to trust. There's some beautiful jewels. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. And so we're going to sit down with Lisa and find out how she got involved in all this and what Lily Mead is up to. So we're going to talk about her first book, which is called An Unfortunate End. And it's the first in the series of six books. And then um, we'll go from there. So I'd like to um, move over and speak with Lisa now. Hello, Lisa. It's good to see you. Hi, Amy. It's great mm-hmm. to see you too. Um, I wanted to welcome my friend and author, Lisa Zumpano, today. And she has written and released five historical mysteries, or perhaps they're cozy mysteries. We're going to get into that in a little bit. And her sixth novel is going to be released this summer. So she's going to talk about that too. And she's here today. We're going to talk a little bit about the books that she's reading, a little bit about the writing process. She's a self-published author. And and I wanted to say when I first talked to Lisa, I asked her um, if she could recommend 
some books or what, what she's reading. Cause I'm asking that of everyone that I talk to nowadays. And she brought up an, an interesting book called anxious people. And the first, first, the word in the title anxious, maybe think, why do I want to hear about something anxious during this time? But she had said she's having trouble paying attention. Um, a lot of books that she was reading in the past weren't quite hitting the mark. And I think we can all relate to that. So I wanted to um, start by introducing this book, and it's called Anxious People. It's a bestseller by Frederick Bachman. It's a Swedish author. He's written a couple of other books. He wrote A Man Called Ove, which I think a number of you might have read, and we'll talk about that as well. But um, Lisa, tell me a little bit about this book and why it's resonating with you right now. Yeah. um, Like you were saying, I've sort of been having a tough time concentrating on my own reading. I've got some stuff going on personally in my life, and um, it's just been a challenging time, like for everybody with COVID and, um, oddly you think you would read more books, but for me, it's sort of been the opposite, but I sort of, I was in, I think it was in chapters one day and I picked it up and just his opening, um, he has sort of this almost stream of consciousness, his, his first page, his first and second page. And it, it, it's, it's humorous, but it's just basically about the human condition and being an adult and how difficult it is some days. And he, he uses some um, examples of your heart is like a bar of soap and you just in the shower and you can't sort of grab it. You just, it slips out of your hand all the time. And, um, just trying to sort of think what else he said, but it just, it really hit home about how, how just difficult life is some days. And, but in a really humorous and touching sort of way, it's a, it's, it's a great book. I mean, he's such a fantastic writer. I wrote, I read a man called Ove as well. And, um, yeah, I just, I really enjoy his work. Um, and he, he, this book, this particular book, I think he starts with a, a bank robber, a hostage drama. It's, I mean, that's sort of the opening line. So you just pick it up and you're like, oh, okay, great. I'm in. It, the, the premise of the book is it's, it's a, a, a young man, 39 year old man goes and robs a cashless bank or he tries yeah. to rob a cashless bank. He's yeah. desperate. His marriage has just broken up. Um, and, and he realizes quickly there's no cash in the bank and he ends up running away from the police and, and ending up at this open house at an apartment building a little ways away. And there's, I think eight people in the room right. um, that are looking at this open house at all different sorts of strange characters. And it's about, it's, they start to um, give their story to the police and you see all these different really eccentric characterizations. And, and he, he just gives, uh, Friedrich Bachmann gives a lot of backstory on people. So you really, he, I mean, his characters are all very dis- distinct and they're very different yeah. and there's humor and yeah. So it's, um, yeah. That sounds perfect. Really well done. That sounds kind of like what, yes. What I'm, and, and I recommend a man called Ove as well, which you loved. It's, it's mm-hmm. really great. It's about a curmudgeon who interacts with another family and nobody likes him in the neighborhood. And then of course he becomes quite involved with this family and it's, it's very heartwarming and it's funny and it's, and it's light. Like it it's so let's talk about, um, the, the first book I've read the first book and I'd yeah. like you to give a synopsis. Uh, so it's set in the, I, I think the, the, the book opens in 1919. It's right after World War One. Um, the heroine is uh, an, an Amer- young American woman who is living in New York. Um, and she has sort of a, a, a friend she keeps in touch with in England. She'd previously gone to school in England. Um, she's back in New York. She's lost the love of her life in the war. She's pretty down in the dumps. And this friend of hers who's sort of a, uh, his name's Harry Green, he, he kind of, 
writes to her and says, look at, there's a job with a local newspaper. She's a writer. Um, I need you to come take the job, but really I need you to take the job because my friend's mom, this um, aristocratic socialite sort of woman has just been found dead. And he wants Lily to come back, report for the newspaper as, as a crime writer and help him figure out who murdered or, or what happened at this point. We don't even know if she was murdered or not um, his friend's mother. So, Lily does go back across the pond and um, starts working for a new local newspaper called the Oxford Daily Press. And um, it's sort of a just, yeah, how they investigate this, this death, basically, of this woman. And in the meantime, Lily's got a lot of stuff going on in her personal life. Uh, past comes back to haunt her a little bit. So, and, then, and then the worlds sort of collide a little bit without trying to give too much away there. Now, definitely, I hope that makes sense. You have a, I see the Agatha Christie, Miss Miss Marple kind of influence, and then I also saw, I felt a little Great Gatsby, um, yeah, player in there, like kind of a little thank, bit Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's definitely one of my all-time favorites. F. Scott Fitzgerald, love him, and that's probably that book. I probably read again and again every couple of years. I just love that book. That's yeah. The Roaring Twenties. I mean, it's a, it's the Bible, really, isn't it? Yeah, it's really fun, and you have a lot of great details about architecture and the clothing that they're wearing. And how did you find? I know you have a background in history, but how did you keep it true to the time? And also, you're not definitely not no. British. Like, how did you keep it um, authentic? Yeah, that's that's a challenge. I, uh, I watched Downton Abbey a lot when I was yeah. writing my first book. I think I've, I think I've watched it about 10 times. I mean, if they were holding auditions for, I, I could do it without a script. I mean, I know all the dialogue. So I, I, I watch a lot, um, of shows like that. I try to read, I've got a few, uh, handbooks on the 1920s. I have spent a fair amount of time in England. So just sort of to get the feel of Oxford, to get the feel of London or the feel of the country. Um, I Google like crazy. So if I'm going to write about a church, I, 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 I bring up the image. I look in, I look out, I read about it. I, um, I try to, I really, really try hard with the historical details. I still get called out on stuff. I mean, I get reviews that say, Oh, this wasn't this and that wasn't that. I mean, I, it's, it's tough to write historical fiction because there's always somebody out there who's going to catch you out for something. But that's so, a compliment um, that they're best. paying, paying that, that level of attention yeah. that they're, that's kind of definitely and that they're, they're reading it. Right. This, yeah. you're, you call this a historical mystery. I would call this a cozy mystery. And so I wanted to talk about yeah. that and what, what is, what's the difference? Yeah. Good question. I, um, when I first started writing an unfortunate end, I did read a lot of cozy mysteries or what I thought were considered cozy mysteries. And I thought that I thought my first book was a cozy mystery. I thought that it, so basically a cozy mystery is sort of n- no guts and gore, nothing too um, violent, um, no sex. There's supposed to be a cat in it. I don't have any cats in any of my books. Um, I did not know that, but it's supposed to be. That. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> Apparently that's the thing. Yeah, but um, you just basically, when you read a cozy mystery, you can read it at night and not be psychologically disturbed by it, I think is sort of the idea behind a cozy mystery. And an amateur um, and detective I, I, and a pol- the police yes. department involved in some way on the periphery. Yeah, often a small a, town. Small town, woman protagonist, often 
Um, yeah. Yeah. You got it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I thought, I thought somebody, I think wrote a review on my first, or maybe it might've been my second book because my second book has a little bit of a different pace than my first book. I would say I would just almost yeah. It's almost like a little bit more like a thriller, I think. So I got yeah. called out. I had put it in the cozy mystery category and someone said, this isn't a cozy mystery. This is more of a mystery thriller or a mystery. So historical mystery is a pretty broad category as is cozy mystery. But yes, I think it's, um, I do put later on, not explicit sex in my books, but there is a little bit of sex in my books and the murders get a little bit, some of them are a bit gruesome, especially book five. So I think, yes, I'm probably out of the cozy mystery category now. Where did you come up with this idea? Yeah, well, I've, I've, I've wanted to write for a long time. And and as you're saying, I did work with you and I've, I've done some sort of little freelance projects here and there, but I thought, Oh, I always wanted to write a novel and um, sort of in the mid '90s, I was working for a gemstone company, um, and we, we were mining these beautiful red gemstones and marketing them to the world. And um, I sort of started getting all these. There's a lot of strange things that happen in that industry, and so I so. I sort of had these little sort of things in the back of my head or stories that I wanted to tell, or I thought, Oh, if I took that and embellished that, it could be this. And, um, so when I did sort of sit down and think I want to write a novel, I thought, Oh, I could pull from that. And I could sort of base it around some of my experiences, some of the characters I met there and at that time in my life. And, um, so yeah, it sort of just evolved. I ended up writing an unfortunate end over, I guess a couple of years it took me for my first book. I didn't know how to, structure a novel or anything. How did you get started? So you had, you, you wrote, but then what did you do? Like what step did you take to get published? Well, that, yeah. So I wrote the first draft and then I found an editor, which it needed. So, um, I'm not sure. I'm trying to remember how I have an editor in New York that did some freelance work, but she also worked for Simon and Schuster. So, um, I hired her independently and, and the second draft stage, um, she re-edited it. So the, the first thing I did was I got an editor. Um, once I had a, a finished product that I thought I could put out into the world, I, at that time, I didn't know much about self-publishing. I thought that I would go the traditional route. There's sort of two routes you can go. You can be an independent author or you can be published by, try to get published by one of the big publishing houses, which is no easy task. Um, and they don't talk to authors. They talk to agents. So you have to find yourself an agent if you want to go that route. And I, you can send an agent a query, you know, if they want, they request your manuscript, you know, if they, if they're interested in you and all this sort of takes a long time and you get a lot of rejections. I think I queried maybe five to 10 agents before I gave up. And I, I read, I read somewhere that JK Rowling had 120 rejections before anybody picked up Harry Potter, which was just astonishing that she had that much resolve to keep going because I didn't. Um, so I had, I, yeah. Can you believe it? 120 times. <laughs> um, so I was just sort of thinking, oh, this is never going to see the light of day. And I was kind of Googling around one night late. I couldn't sleep. And I found um, a gentleman called Mark Dawson, who is one of the most successful independent authors out there making a very good living with his books. And he gives courses on how to, all the steps to, to, to get your book self-published on different platforms. And so I actually took his course and, um, learned a ton and yeah, there's sort of, uh, independent authors where you basically wear all the hats yourself. You don't have some, you don't have a machine behind you doing all those things like your editing and your cover design and your social media and your marketing. Um, 
even now big publishing houses don't do all that. A lot of authors really have to do their own, their own social media and a lot of their own marketing. Um, it, it, it sounds like, uh, you know, being a writer, you often procrastinate. And so that if you, you have so yeah. different little things that can keep you occupied, like if you're having trouble with a, a scene, you can start working on the cover or you could market yes. social media. Like it seems like there's lots of ways exactly. to stay engaged and come back yes. to the manuscript. And if you're not creative one morning, when you, when you're not creative one morning and you wake up, okay, then you work on the business side of your, of your job. And, and if you're feeling super creative and things are flowing, then you write. So yeah, that's exactly it. Just depends what your brain is that day, I guess. You can hire out and I do hire out. I don't try to design. I, I'm involved in my covers, very involved, but I, I don't do them. I don't do the graphic design myself. I hire a cover designer in the UK who does them for me. Um, you know, I hire my editor. Uh, initially, I hired uh, even my blurb writer. So with the blurb that you see for the books on Amazon, um, I hired a blurb writer for that because I'm just realized I'm not good at yeah, I'm not good at copy. Like I, I'm just not good at that. And I, I tried and I sent it to, I've got a friend that's a writer. Um, and I sent it to her to sort of have a look at my first, my first attempt. And she laughed. She couldn't stop laughing. She goes, Oh God, hire it out. You're terrible. So well, you're um, an understated yeah. person, right? I, you're not the loudest person in the room and, but yet no. you need to find a way to, um, promote and capture, what you're doing to a wider audience or no one's what's the point I mean you've got to exactly you've got to get something to really overcome if if you're a bit introverted right or you're yeah exactly like you say tell tell us uh you're going to be releasing your sixth novel tell us what it's called and what what's that about and how people can find it yeah so it's um it's up for pre-order now on Amazon it comes so I think it's July 5th is the date on that. Um, I am still writing it, um, but it is, it's, uh, it's Lily and her gang again. Um, it's 19, end of 1923 when this novel opens. So lots happened in Lily's life and her personal life and her professional life. And um, it's set in London and it's just before it's sort of the lead up to, there was a general election at the end of 1923 um, in England. And so I've sort of taken that and sort of spun it into a, a little bit of a mystery. And so we have a, a, a dead member of parliament. Um, oh. and, and it's, yeah. And I don't know who did it yet, Amy. I really don't know who did it. So I've got three sort of strands and I'm hoping that I don't write myself into a corner. So tell, we talked about yeah. this before about how different authors, and it isn't just a mystery. It could be any book. Um, you yeah. telling me about how some people know from the start, like they have the ending in mind when they start and then there's others that yeah. they don't know. So tell me about that and how you, how you. Yeah. So, and, and I'm learning about this too. So apparently there's two types of writers out there. There's plotters and then there's panzers, they call them, or pantsers. I'm not even sure how they spell it. But um, so a plotter would be before they even sat down to write a word, they would know what what was happening in each chapter, sometimes down to each scene um, and who did it in the end. And so then when they sit to write, they've really got this map of where they're going. Um, and I am not that person. I, I get a spark of an idea and sit down and start writing. And um very often in my books, and in fact, most of my books, I can get to the last chapter and I just still do not know who did it. So um, 
And I, I had heard an interview with a mystery author once who, who writes this in the same way I do. She doesn't plot and she doesn't plan. And she said, oh, and they were sort of criticizing her. The interview was sort of criticizing her for that. And she said, I know who does, who did it the whole way through the novel. You can guarantee the reader's going to know too. So she, she, and she's, she's right. Probably you don't even realize you're doing it. You're writing and you're leading them all the time. And um, yeah, I, I mean, this, it does work for me. Sometimes it's harder because I think, oh God, I really should have planned a little bit better. But, um, but yeah, I think you're either one or the other. I guess I could maybe train myself to be a plotter and I probably should, but not yet. Book six, still, still not, still not mapped out. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. And that was really fun. And that's really fun. Um, just to see, to watch from the sidelines, to see what you're doing and, uh, um, I'm going to well, be cheering you thanks, on. Thanks so much for having me on, Amy. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Thank you to our guest, Lisa. And I just wanted to add, I read this book quite quickly because I wanted to make sure that I had it completed in time for my discussion with Lisa. And you know when you just get totally involved in a book and you can't put it down and it becomes part of your life. And I just I just got back from taking the dog for a walk and it's pitch black outside and today it's raining as it tends to do in Vancouver this time of year, kind of misty, just like it might be in England. And I'm walking down the street and there's someone coming the other way and I kind of look at them askance. And then there's a car that was going kind of slowly past me and I just, I grabbed my dog a little bit tighter and I just couldn't wait to get back inside. But now that I'm back inside, I'm thinking I might pick up another mystery. Who knows? So stay tuned next week for another edition of the Redfern Book Review. And I will be sure to put all the details from today's talk in the show notes. Thanks again. Talk to you later. Bye.